The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, and welcome to the Marketing Forward Movement, where marketers and communicators are finally starting to help healthcare be about consumers and innovation. If you want to be a part of it, then this is the place for you. We're going to help you find your place in this new movement, and you're going to be one of the ones shifting the way that healthcare is marketed and experienced. Now, one of the ways we're helping you do this is through the Shift.Health Content Network. You've probably heard me talking about Shift.Health, not only because it's brand new, but because in these times when we aren't getting the opportunity to see each other in person, one of the only ways to grow professionally is to watch a video series or listen to a podcast. That's why I launched Shift.Health. It's a content network of podcasts and video series for anyone who wants to shift the way that healthcare is marketed and experienced. So go check it out at Shift.Health. And did I mention it's free? Okay, so here's what's going to go down today. We'll kick things off with the flavor of the week about how creative marketing is being stifled by attribution. Then we've got James Gardner in the house to give us the inside scoop on Walmart Health and why marketers should care. Frankly, no one in the country or possibly the world is digging into the details of Walmart Health like James is. So I'm telling you now, this episode is jam-packed. All right, let's get to it. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. Too much creative marketing is stifled by attribution. That's what Rand Fishkin said recently on the Spark Toro blog. And as I've discovered that he can explain things much better than I can, I'm going to quote a passage from his post directly. Here's the scenario he's describing, and I quote, You're listening to a podcast. The guest describes a product that sounds compelling, alluring, something that you've been looking for. What happens next? Yep, you search Google. And then what? Google shows you the website for that alluring product, and you click. Maybe you explore the site a bit, perhaps give them your email address or even buy the product. Next month, the marketing team for that product analyzes where their traffic's coming from, and they see that, ta-da, visitors from Google search for the top-performing cohort. That podcast you heard about them on? It's nowhere. Sure, maybe they mentioned a special URL to visit, but when you couldn't perfectly recall it, you searched Google. Heck, you might have even unintentionally searched Google using that URL correctly, but the search monopolist still gets the credit because you used the search bar on the Google app instead of the browser URL input. So the marketing team takes their findings to the executive team who determined that, surprise, surprise, marketing should spend more money and effort on Google and stop fiddling around with these silly podcasts. After all, Google sent all that high conversion traffic, right? Wrong, wrong, wrong. But when marketers and executives look at whether brand marketing, especially digital investments such as podcasts, YouTube channels, editorial contributions, social media marketing, digital PR, etc., have an impact, 
They instead see Google searches. Spikes and rises that aren't perfectly attributable to a particular event or a story don't get credit. And even when they do, it's credit that's usually shared or undermined by Google's quote-unquote not provided keywords. Now, like I said, that's according to Rand Fishkin. I told you he explains things better than I do. But here's the point. A lot of today's effective marketing isn't getting the credit and attribution it deserves because you aren't seeing the path before someone Googles you. So the lessons here are, first, don't take your metrics at face value. Understand the limitations of what they show you. And second, don't let that lack of attribution stall your efforts in creative brand marketing. It's needed now more than ever. It's worth the extra time to improve your data literacy. In fact, if we ask Mr. Fishkin, he might just say it's our responsibility as contemporary marketers. And that's the flavor of the Week. Hey, listeners, I've got James Gardner in the house. James is a friend of the program, one of the very few who has made multiple appearances on the program, and there's a lot of reason for that. So I want to welcome James back. James, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jared. It's exciting to be back. Yes. Uh, now, you just spent some time recently. Were, were you canoeing or hiking? Or it seems like you've, you've made the most of, of some, some time during this pandemic. I'm back most recently from summiting Mount Washington up in New Hampshire. It's the tallest peak in New England and uh, is renowned for the most intense weather patterns in the southern U.S. Oh, wow. Wow. I, I did not even know that. So th- did you encounter any of those weather patterns? Winds gusting in the 70 mile an hour range and heavy fog and intense cold. So yes, quite an experience, but uh, we made it to the top and uh, quickly retreated back down. Well, glad to, glad to hear you made that back. Sounds pretty memorable. It was indeed. I highly recommend it. And then, uh, so canoeing was earlier this year, wasn't it? <laughs> Typically, summers would find me canoeing in Northern Canada, Jared, but uh, with the COVID pandemic, all those plans have been scrapped. So I've kept my plans uh, local this summer. Gotcha. Well, glad to know you are you are doing all you can to make the most of, of what's going on these days. And one thing I really enjoy is hearing how much time you've been able to spend getting the inside scoop on Walmart health, getting the inside scoop on retail health in general, and in particular, some of the things that are going on. And I can't wait to dive into this. In fact, I feel like we could move right into our rap battle here in just a moment because this is, while it's out there in the headlines, there are not a whole lot of people out there, uh, not really anyone that I'm seeing, other than you, genuinely, providing insights more than just, hey, look, Walmart Health is expanding. So we're going to dive into that. That's the source of our rap battle today. Hey, let's move right on into that. Rap battle! Rap Battle is where we challenge the status quo in healthcare. It's where we take a look at things. We question what has happened in the past. We say, can we do things better? What can we change? How do we improve the areas that we are over? Especially when it has to do with marketing, with technology, with business models, with strategy. And James, there's a whole lot going on right now. And I think a good place to start on Walmart Health when we talk about what's the inside scoop here, like what's really happening and why do health systems need to be thinking about it? Why does it need to be on a marketer's radar screen? Those are the kinds of things we're going to dig into and dive into. But maybe we start off for those who haven't been following it as closely as you have, as far as where Walmart Health is right now and and kind of the basics. Let's start with kind of like that one-on-one version of it. What are they? What are they all about? How is it different than any of the offerings going on from retailers these days? So let me set a little context, Jared, if I could. 
I think it's not a secret that there's a lot of innovation happening right now in how care is delivered to Americans. People are seeking more convenient and better ways of accessing the system. Telehealth's an example of that, but there's a lot of other innovations. Retail healthcare, I think, is one of the more exciting of those and of those uh, efforts. There's no doubt in my mind that what Walmart Health is doing is exponentially the most ambitious and perhaps the most disruptive. But it's on a similar path as efforts at CVS that many of your listeners may be familiar with, or even Target, basically delivering care in a retail environment, whether it's convenience care with uh, walk-in access to a nurse practitioner, or perhaps true primary care with access to a doctor. So that's a little bit of the context of what retail health is and why it's kind of a, a topic of the moment. But let's get into the specifics of what Walmart is doing, because I think of it as incredibly ambitious, perhaps even you, you could call it a, a reimagination of how and where essential health services are delivered, all done in Walmart fashion, you know, with levels of affordability, convenience and scale that we've just never seen in our industry before. So the one-on-one to get very specific of what they're doing is a series of pilots in Northwest Georgia and Arkansas at the moment. There's four underway where they're delivering through standalone clinics adjacent to their super centers, primary and urgent care, dentistry, vision care, pharmacy, audiology, mental health, along with on-site labs and imaging. So just reflect on that for a moment. It's a seven to 10,000 square foot clinic adjacent and attached to a super center uh, where you'd be going for groceries and, and hard goods, um, delivering a broad array of services not just traditional primary care. So a very, very ambitious model, as I said, being piloted at the four locations right now. What I think makes it especially disruptive uh, as we think about the convenience clinics that perhaps we're all familiar with is that Walmart's actually staffing these locations with true licensed physicians, which is significant for a couple of reasons. One is that it obviously allows them to see a more complex type of patient. Uh, beyond what a nurse practitioner would be capable of serving. But it also uh, delivers on the promise of what we call longitudinal care, as opposed to episodic care. Longitudinal care, as the name suggests, is what your family needs over time. And it's access to a doctor who you will have seen perhaps before, who knows your history, and is really invested in your long-term health and wellness. Episodic care, which you might experience at a walk-in clinic, is more typically, you know, where you would go for a vaccination or a skin rash, something one-off in nature. So Walmart's offering is truly disruptive in that sense, that they will have doctors on staff, that if you need one, you will see one, and that will allow you to have this long-term relationship with Walmart, essentially, as your primary care physician. Let me just pause there, Jared. Does that make sense, or should I clarify? No, it makes a lot of sense. I'm glad you distinguished between that and, and say a minute clinic that is probably the, the thing that first comes to mind to a lot of us when we think about retail health and that difference of having physicians on staff and the, the potential connections with specialists. Uh, there are a lot of, of differentiators there. So, so yeah, uh, yeah, I'm totally tracking with you right now. If I can, let me get into just the highlights of their value proposition because we're, we're marketers and we want to understand not just the offering, but why it might have appeal. And I've identified three differentiators that I think make this an even more compelling proposition. One is just the care experience itself, the notion that you will see a doctor if you need one. If you don't, you'll be seen by a nurse practitioner, a physician's assistant, a technician, or whatnot. But the care experience uh, that they're promising is an excellent one. 
truly excellent one. They're also offering, again, consistent with Walmart's DNA, truly unbelievable pricing and transparent pricing at that. So the pricing is posted uh, very visibly on their website and in their clinics, the likes of which I think people will be shocked by. A medical checkup, for instance, for $30. Teeth cleaning from their dentist for $25. Or mental health counseling with a behavioral specialist for $30 for half an hour. We've not seen that kind of pricing before. For many people, in fact, uh, it's more economical to pay cash for the services that they're receiving than to use their private insurance and uh, pay the copay. So that's truly disruptive as a, as a second element of the value proposition. Then the third is just Walmart levels of convenience. Accessing primary care for busy families is always a challenge. But Walmart's, I think, done some really interesting things, uh, including extended hours, online scheduling, walk-in appointments, obviously free and abundant parking, but also the opportunity to grab groceries or visit the pharmacy, all while getting your family's health taken care of. So there's levels of convenience there that I think all told are going to draw in a population of people that perhaps aren't even accessing the system today because of pricing or convenience problems. I need a dime, ain't faking a bone. So you crank out content, but it's getting stale. It might be nutritious, but it tastes like kale. You're down with finding a way to up your marketing game. Yeah, but when you look for help, everyone seems lame. We're Ultera Digital. Google us and see. We're spelled like ultra with an extra E. We'll help you market forward. Google us and look. We're Ultera Digital. It's off the hook. Hey guys, this is Jared. Ultera Digital is just another name for our consulting team that helps you when your content, your strategy, or your brand is getting stale. You know, like that chocolate glazed donut that was a little piece of heaven in the morning, but when you left it on your desk until 4.13 in the afternoon and you went to finish it off, by then, mm, not so heavenly, was it? By now, you know our philosophy that content is the future, but only when it engages audiences and it isn't a snooze fest. And you've heard how we roll. The healthcare rap, what you're listening to right now is Exhibit A. We don't do boring. So if your content, your special event, or your strategy is getting stale, let us help you give it that spark, that rhythm, that new life you're looking for. Ultera Digital, marketing forward. Okay, now back to the podcast, right? Because it's pretty legit. I think that last part is is key here. And it's one that I've heard people gloss over and, and just kind of not really reflect on. The part about them addressing a population that right now, they're not stealing patients away from commercial payers, from commercial plans. They are targeting, for the most part, consumers who have not felt like they can afford their care. And so they have not been seeking their care at all. And there are a lot of implications to that. And I, I think that's one one reason to me that I, I wonder if it's sometimes hasn't been taken that seriously yet, or maybe it's just because there haven't been that. Like you said, there's a handful of stores out there right now, but they haven't rolled out to all four or 5,000 stores, however many they have in the country yet. Why are some taking Walmart Health seriously? And why should it be on a marketer's radar screen to begin with? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons why it should be taken seriously. You know, I've studied retailing and the, the history that Walmart has in grocery retailing specifically, because they've not always been a powerhouse uh, in selling perishables. It's a relatively recent innovation. And there were many, many skeptics in the late 90s that never thought Walmart would achieve success. And yet, you know, within a decade, eclipsed the Safeways and Kroger's of the world with a strategy that we're seeing in healthcare of testing, learning, and improving. They did it in groceries, and that's what they're doing with the pilots in Georgia and Arkansas and 
soon, uh, Florida and Illinois, with improvements and learning coming from each of those locations that will make it, you know, an unstoppable force if and when, you know, they realize the economics that they're looking for and they make the business model work. Expansion that I'm anticipating will come extremely quickly and could potentially overwhelm the unprepared amongst us. So then the marketing angle in particular, when we when we're not necessarily talking about the the tactics of Marcom or marketing campaigns, promotional campaigns, when we're really going upstream and talking about the operations and the business model that marketing should be involved in and should have a seat at the table, what implications there do we need to be thinking about as marketers? Well, I think marketers have an obligation to be watching what Walmart Health is doing. If you are in a market where Walmart has a strong presence, for instance, that wouldn't be the situation, for instance, in Boston. But it would be the situation very much in markets like Texas and Florida, where Walmart has an incredible footprint of super centers and Sam's Clubs and other uh, storefronts. So you need to have an awareness, obviously, on par with the competitive threat that Walmart might face. But I think you should also be asking yourself, what is your level of vulnerability if Walmart was to drop 10, 15 clinics into your vicinity? You need to understand how strong your primary care offering is and how it might stack up uh, in competition with Walmart. I think you also have an obligation to understand the population that you're serving. And Jared, you make a really great point, which is not well understood by many. Walmart is really looking to draw out an underserved market with the offering that they're bringing to bear. Underinsured, uninsured being the most obvious examples of that. So if those are a large part of the population you serve, you've got a vulnerability. If on the other hand, you enjoy a lot of uh, population with commercial insurance, your exposure might be slightly different. But you need to understand that. And that's homework that you can be doing well in advance of Walmart entering your region. And then lastly, you need a strategy for coexisting and collaborating with Walmart. And there's potentially some interesting ways of doing that. Most obviously, Walmart does not have specialty care offerings. So if you have strong specialties like oncology or dermatology or orthopedics or OBGYN, you need to figure out the coexistence strategy and how to perhaps collaborate with Walmart Health in serving patients who are being referred out of those clinics. I find that a really interesting topic to explore. You may also find opportunities to serve patients from within the clinic itself if you have a specialty offering. Much like hairstylists uh, rent out space in an established shop, I can imagine a scenario where specialists are allowed to serve patients a day or two a week from within the Walmart clinic. Again, these are all conversations that you should be having amongst your team and perhaps with Walmart itself if and when they start making moves to compete in your market. So the scenario of just waiting around is say, hey, they'll probably never come to our market. I'm not even going to waste any time even looking at them at all. Sounds like that might not be the best thing to do even now. That's rarely a good strategy, Jared. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're, you're exactly right. By the time they've made announcements about entering your market, you've got a short window of time and you're reacting. And that's never the right way to be doing it. And far from this being an idle threat, all indications are that Walmart Health's gaining momentum, if anything. We saw last week their announcement of plans to enter the Florida market. They're expanding into the Chicagoland market this year. So there's a momentum building, which I find really interesting. And there's even a sense that you know they're signaling to Wall Street and they're signaling to the population that this model is being refined, yes, and it's still a pilot, but we're happy with how things are going and expansion could be coming sooner than you might realize. 
So talk to me for a moment more about the opportunity for marketing innovation here, because that's what I'm hearing you saying. You said, well, that's rarely a good strategy. You know, I'm, we, we both knew I was being facetious there. And yet that, that's not something that never happens. There's a double negative that wasn't used very well. But <laughs> that strategy does happen of the stick our heads in the sand and, and at the very least not even worry about something until it's too late to actually make a viable battle plan to address something and potentially coexist. I'm, I'm fascinated by the, the thought of coexisting and having a strategy for your specialty care providers to live and actually benefit from it because Walmart's not... If if they have announced they're going to be in a certain market, they're not going to go away. Their Every intention is to keep growing and expanding. We, we know this about Walmart. So talk to me about that opportunity for marketing innovation. What's the impetus there? Like, How does a marketer take any of this information and use it as an opportunity to try to innovate the way they're doing things? Like, What specifically, what, what would a health system or hospital, uh, what would be a good idea for them to be looking at right now? So Jared, I understand the world of healthcare marketing and I understand there's a lot of priorities. Uh, perhaps now more than ever, healthcare marketers are struggling to rebuild businesses that have been shattered by the pandemic. So I get it. <laughs> and I also understand Walmart Health is not on a lot of people's radar screens because it is a pilot. It's off the beaten track in Northwest Georgia. It's all happened relatively quickly and is uh, happening kind of in real time. So it's understandable that people would not know a lot about it and not have a strong sense of what the right plan would look like. And unless you found yourself in Arkansas or Georgia, I completely understand that you may have a vague awareness, but not have given a strong set of thinking about what to do. But as marketers, I think you have an obligation to be ahead of the curve and lead your organization in both awareness of existential threats to your business, but also to be developing proactively the plan to coexist with Walmart. Empower your primary care physicians to coexist in an environment where they'll be competing somewhat or directly with Walmart Health and position your specialists perhaps for unexpected success uh, with referrals. That's something any marketer can do and can be a leader within the organization and avoid what we were joking about earlier of being in reactive mode, which obviously never works. It never does. I I can validate that. (laughs) It really doesn't. And it feels like half the reason... Maybe more. One of the reasons that still happens so frequently is that we don't know actually which direction to go. The playbook hasn't been written for retail health about how to respond yet. It very clearly has not yet for providers. And much in the same way that there were those who were more prepared than others for the COVID-19 pandemic because they had a crisis communications plan, there were also those who had a crisis marketing plan that didn't have to have as... It wasn't as insanely crazy. It was insanely crazy for everybody, but it wasn't as much as bad for those who thought about what happens when we need to actually pause all of our marketing campaigns. Right? So like the crisis marketing plan, when there was one of those in place, in addition to the crisis communications plan, then things tended to go a little bit more smoothly uh, when the pandemic hit. And in the similar way, I feel like we need to have a battle plan whatever we want to call it, a, a disruption battle plan, you know, so a, a battle plan for retail health, for narrowing down the possibilities. I mean, a crisis communications plan, I think we've all seen them or, or been made aware of them in organizations where we've been. It usually details certain scenarios. If this happens, if a fire happens, if a, if a live shooter comes, if this, if this. And that's what this battle plan ought to be as well for retail health. Here are those starting points. Here's a couple of scenarios. We don't know if any of these are going to happen, but if this one does, here's what we do. Here's how we react. 
So any, any tips for that? When we're starting to prepare a battle plan, any tips for where to start on any of those scenarios? So yes, of course, fortune favors those who are prepared. <laughs> and there's a couple of easy things that can be done by marketers looking to get ahead of this. As I said, one thing that's a no-brainer is just understanding the footprint of Walmart and their super centers in your catchment area. You may be um, in a situation like we are in Boston where Walmart has a very minimal presence. So you might conclude that the threat is a small one. You might find that Walmart Health potentially could expand to any number of super centers in your area, in which case the threat is going to be much larger. So that's competitive research that you could be doing tomorrow online. Then, as I said, you also want to understand just what your exposure likely looks like. What would the appeal of Walmart Health be if they were to enter in your market? And how would your primary care offering stack up? Consumers were given the choice of one or the other. And you may conclude that you need to sharpen your pricing, for instance, or you need to consider extended hours or more flexible scheduling and appointment setting. So honing your offering is also something where marketers could play a strong leadership role. And then third, you want to examine your population that you're serving and get a sense of how likely they would be to defect, again, given the opportunity to seek care at Walmart versus through your primary care offering. Those are all things that marketers can be doing, Jared, and they could be doing them tomorrow. I appreciate that. Some, t- some starting points are always helpful, especially when something like this, when we really haven't seen, a, this isn't something that, I don't know about listeners, but we did not talk about retail health offerings when I went to school. <laughs> we, digital health wasn't even a thing. And, and so it definitely wasn't part of my training initially. This is something that's had to just, it's come up and, and we've had to figure out how to deal with it wherever I was. Another potential disruptive threats that the more I look back at things, I don't necessarily see them as threats. I see them as opportunities. I see how can we use this as impetus to improve the way we've been doing things. You know, one of the the interesting points about what Walmart Health is doing is how they are approaching their customer experience. And it's something that, that you and I have a, you know, a mutual acquaintance, Sean Nason, who's the chief disruptor at Mophi. So he's been responsible for creating and designing the consumer experience and the associate experience at these Walmart health clinics. And I actually had him on, I was fortunate enough to host him on the Paradigm Shift of Healthcare podcast. I believe it was, it was episode 26 there. And, and it's, it's fabulous because he actually goes into the pricing, the particular pricing, even more in depth. He shared uh, quite a few of them, you know, the mental health counseling for a dollar a minute but he goes into that and then he even goes into how they're using real-time data to actually tweak the customer experience as it happens with their associates. I mean, each week they're tweaking the way things happen and are set up in the store. And, and it's, it gives you a different perspective to, to realize that they're not just approaching this in a light manner. The, the intentionality with which they, they're doing this, uh, that's another reason I, I've just seen, you know, why would I ignore this? Why would I not take this seriously? Because it does seem like it, it could be easy for health systems to ignore them. And I, I, I get that for a lot of the reasons you've already shared. It's not on the radar screen yet. And yet we know when we, when we wait until it is on the radar screen, it's going to be right in the middle. And it's going to take up the entire screen. So having these starting points is, is uh, I see, a very valuable way to, to deal with it. And I wonder if, there's, you know, if any of that's part of the, the Walmart health battle plan or if there are other ways that you can compare and contrast that with with addressing other players in retail health before we go here, you know, quick ways to compare and contrast what, you know, CVS or Walgreens or anyone else is doing these days. So first of all, I'm so glad that you gave a shout out to Sean. He's an inspiration and the podcast where he discusses his work with Walmart Health is inspiring. 
And it will give anyone in the audience just pause as they understand just, as you said, the intentionality of the experience design. It's remarkable. And it, it puts a lot of organizations to shame who just are not being as thoughtful as they could be. And Sean really, really brings it to life. So all of you, seek out that podcast and give it a listen. Uh, you'll really enjoy it. And I would also just give a, give a reminder to people that there were skeptics in the grocery era that looked at Walmart and you know just thought they were going to stub their toe. They obviously figured it out. And through the 2000s, just to give perspective, they were opening over 200 super centers a year for over a decade. Think about that. Uh, there's now 3,600 storefronts operating as super centers. Those were all built primarily within the space of 12 to 13 years, creating a $200 billion grocery business for Walmart. So when they move, they move at an epic scale and they move extremely quickly. So another reason not to sell them short as they seek to enter markets and serve healthcare. Now, Jared, you asked about other primary care models that we're seeing. And I'll just give a, a quick highlight of some of the efforts that we see underway. Because they are interesting. I don't think any of them are as ambitious as what Walmart's doing, but nonetheless, should be watching them. First and foremost, I would point to CVS, which for years has been operating uh, Minute Clinics and more recently Health Hubs within their stores. Minute Clinics are episodic uh, light care, but they've had immense success with that. But it's not a primary care offering, and it certainly is not uh, intended to be a longitudinal offering. So it's quite different uh, despite the scale that they have. And you can't mention CVS without mentioning some of the other assets that they have in the health space. Obviously, a huge retail footprint, but they also have exposure to health insurance through the acquisition of Aetna, a large pharmacy benefit management player through the acquisition of Caremark, and just a really interesting collection of assets that have made them a powerhouse in the world of retail healthcare. Less interesting, but still significant, is Walgreens, which has been experimenting with a partner by the name of Village MD to deploy primary care clinics either adjacent to some of their stores or more recently within Walgreens stores. Those are interesting, but again, not nearly as ambitious as what Walmart is proposing. The square footage obviously will be much less because the Walgreens stores are smaller and the offering is limited to primary care. So they won't have exposure to dentistry or vision, some of the other things that Walmart's bringing to the table. They're also not committed to the aggressive pricing that uh, Walmart is promising. So I don't see them being nearly as disruptive as what Walmart Health is doing. And then finally, Target obviously has pharmacies and in a large number of their stores, they also have uh, care clinics, but it's very similar to what Walmart, rather what CVS is offering. It's episodic and um, typically delivered by a nurse practitioner or a physician's assistant. So you wouldn't have access to a doctor as you might at uh, Walmart Health. So that's a, a quick overview, very quick overview of some of the other developments that are going on in the world of retail health. It's obviously a space with a lot of activity, a lot of change, and the potential to be very disruptive, which is why I'm so excited we're having this conversation, Jared. It is something people should be paying attention to. I agree. And as we kind of wrap up this one final thought, it's another reason to just, to just pay attention to it as we step back and kind of look at the macro of what's going on here, not even just looking at it through a marketing lens, but the, the problems in the healthcare quote-unquote system that we have in our country, there are problems that this approach can potentially help in providing access. How can what Walmart Health is proposing to offer and what they're piloting now, how can that offering help what's going on in, in society and any shortfalls that there are in the healthcare system? Oh, I'm so excited at a macro level about the potential for Walmart Health and others 
to be forces for good. And Jared, we know that accessibility and the related problem of affordability are huge, huge, huge problems within the American health system. Tens of millions of Americans, first of all, don't have private health insurance, or if they do have insurance coverage, it's a high co-payment plan that essentially locks them out of access to the system. That's a huge problem as we seek from a public health perspective to treat people and keep them well. Walmart Health offers the possibility, albeit a strong possibility, of changing that by making access to the system affordable enough and convenient enough that tens of millions of Americans who currently don't seek mental health counseling, for instance, or preventative dentistry or preventative primary care could seek out and get access to the system and enjoy a much higher quality of life. That's really, really exciting and something that we shouldn't lose sight of as we also contemplate the prospect of competing with Walmart Health. Thanks for thinking about that. It's one thing I'm trying to bring into as many conversations as possible is to help us see this vision of healthcare marketing as actually citizens and being and stewards of providing and using the resources we have to provide care and answers and, and improve experiences that ultimately help people be healthier. And I, I see a lot of that here as well. It's something I'm going to be paying attention to as well. You know, I'm in Arizona. I, I haven't heard any announcements of them, of Walmart Health planning to come in my neighborhood anytime soon, but I'm just waiting for that to happen. Uh, I see it happening. And so at, at that point, it'll be in a very different light that I see things that are happening now. And in the meantime, I appreciate the time you've, you've taken just to give us the inside scoop on what's happening here with Walmart Health. I, I want to mention you know, that that's, that's one of the consulting offerings that you provide is helping create this battle plan and, and take those first steps and, and really just understand how this really might compare to a current approach to primary care, uh, particularly, and other services, uh, other growth plans that a healthcare system or organization might have. So appreciate you giving some time. I want to make sure I give you some a moment to tell listeners how to connect with you if they have more questions for you. Thanks for that, Jared. Yes, absolutely. I am consulting to physician groups, health systems, dental groups, and others that are facing the prospect of Walmart Health competing and or collaborating with, with their providers. So if that's of interest to you, reach me a couple of ways. One would be on Twitter, where you can follow my thinking on retail health and Walmart health more specifically. And I tweet uh, under the name James A. Gardner, G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can also follow the hashtag, hash Walmart health. And uh, I tag almost everything that relates to retail health or Walmart specifically under that. So you can follow the thinking there. I'm also quite active on LinkedIn, where you can find me. And you'll also find me posting articles quite frequently. Uh, again, hashtag Walmart Health. Just reach out. Thanks so much, James. Uh, stay safe, stay well. Thanks for giving us a few minutes today and good luck with everything. Thanks, Jared. It's been delightful to be with you today. Hey there, listeners. If you're all about listening to your website visitors to learn more about how to improve your website experience, then G Site is for you. G Site is a suite of digital improvement tools that capture the voice of the digital customer. Hi, I'm Rob Klein, co-founder of G-Site and founder and CEO of Klein & Partners, a market research and brand consulting firm dedicated to helping hospitals and health systems find their brand voice. I co-developed this service offering with the team at Greystone.net several years ago. G-Site helps you prioritize and focus your website improvement and enhancement efforts. It's a suite of solutions, including a pop-up website experience survey tool, a user-friendly dashboard and reporting tool, a user behavior tracking tool, 
expert consulting services, and more. What if I told you that 8% of your visitors have a new negative opinion of your brand after visiting your website? Now multiply that number by the total number of annual visitors. Does that number scare you? If so, go to www.graystone.net forward slash gsite to learn more about how we can help and sign up for an introductory overview. Hope to speak with you soon. Thanks to James for giving us the scoop and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to be a part of the Marketing Forward movement. Subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends. Healthcare Wrap is a member of the Shift.Health content network. Go check it out at Shift.Health. It's podcasts and video series about shifting the way that healthcare is marketed and experienced. So on behalf of James and myself, keep marketing forward. Thanks, and that's a wrap. Thanks.